ACC kickoff. We are in Charlotte. That's that's me, Tim Donnelly, and Dennis Cox producing the show here. In, in that is you here. In, that is me. There you go. Turn. Yeah, I had to unmute my mic. I, I was just it talking happens. to myself. That is you. <laughs> uh, Dennis is here producing the show in the uh, the Westin in Charlotte, Graham Hill, back at the uh, the studio, keeping us up and running. And uh, for football at four, uh, Saquon Barkley, you know, an all time kind of uh, one eighty. He's he's just going to sign essentially the franchise tag and, and play this year. It, it seemed like a day ago he was on a podcast saying, you know, I might bleep the the Giants and just not play at all. And then it took him two seconds to go, ah, you know what? Actually, if you give me a couple more dollars or the chance at a couple more dollars, I'm just going to go ahead and play. And uh, what that tells me is this. Saquon didn't have the guts to follow through on a selfish act. Mm. And in a weird way, it's like a positive individual trait about him and a bad trait for the future of running backs. Yeah. Right? It's, it's like his parents should be proud of the, the teammate they raised. Meanwhile, like Josh Jacobs should be furious. That's kind of where we're sitting on this one. Okay? So, so to, to if you catch you up, right, if, if you weren't paying attention today, Josh Jacobs – or sorry, Saquon Barkley – uh, agreed to a deal with the the Giants. The deal is not exactly the franchise tag, but it is almost exactly the franchise tag. Uh, so a franchise tag deal is one year's or one year, uh, 10.09 million for a running back. That's essentially what Saquon Barkley got. They reshuffled the money a little bit so he gets two million in a signing bonus. So it hits his account now rather than in game checks. And he also has $909,000 worth of incentives added. Uh, and those incentives are not easy. The incentives come in three categories. Yeah. 1,350 rushing yards plus a playoff berth. Oh. Which means he could rush for 1,400 yards. If Daniel Jones doesn't live up to his end of the bargain, Saquon doesn't hit it. He needs both 1,350 rushing yards plus a playoff berth. 65 receptions for a running back. We're talking about being one of the best running backs catching the football in the league and healthy enough to play most of, if not the entire season, or 11 touchdowns. Those are the three categories. 1,350 rushing yards plus a playoff berth, category one. Category two is 65 receptions. Category three is 11 touchdowns. If he doesn't get those three things, he gets essentially the tag. And on top of that, this is the craziest part. I thought my prediction was he was going to sit out the entire preseason, uh -huh. and then he was going to sign the franchise tag with one added addendum, one bit of uh, fancy language, like, right? The, the contract where the lawyers just cross something out, write it in pen, and then everybody initials it to say, like, I saw it. thought there was going to be one addendum, and it was going to say the Giants have agreed not to franchise tag Saquon Barkley again next season. Yeah. I thought he, the, his biggest bit of leverage was taking away their ability to franchise tag him next season and go through this whole rigmarole again. He did not get it. The reports are out there that the contract does not include a guarantee that he is not franchise tagged again next year. So, so all of the reasons why the Giants didn't want to pay him this year are going to be more prominent next year. He's going to be a little bit older. He's going to have a little bit more wear and tear on his body. Mm -hmm. He's going to have a bunch more carries. He, he right, all of that is going to happen. 
and then he's going to come asking for more money, a long-term deal again, and they're going to have the same tool in their pocket to franchise tag him. And Saquon didn't even sit out the preseason to see if they'd give it to him. He didn't miss a single day of training camp. On move-in day, he was like, I can't take it. I have to be there. Mm -hmm. That's what's not good for the future of running backs, right? Because he could have, I think, like, you have to get that. And then next offseason, either the Giants would give him a big, fat, long-term deal, or he'd hit the open market, and he can go get whatever he wants, right? Whatever he can get, take a deal from, uh, you know, some bad team that doesn't understand they shouldn't pay running backs. The Carolina Panthers pay running backs. They do. I'm not saying they're a bad team, but I'm saying they pay running backs, so maybe they would be the ones willing to break the bank in the free agency market. Do you know what I think this all comes down to? I think Saquon is a good teammate. Mm. I think Saquon is a good teammate. I think he couldn't imagine himself not being out there during a game when his teammates might need a running back to pick up a first down. And because of that, it, it just never, he never got over the hump to where he could actually put his own individual like wants and desires and, and quite frankly, a little bit of greed above the wants of a team and it's it's i think an underrated hurdle to get over right if uh dennis i know you played some college football i played college football anybody that played football i don't care if you go go back to like uh peewees and pop warner if you played at like seven years old what are you told it's about the team right there's no i in team it's about the team it's about the team you get to a professional level, all, all the running backs are looking around the league going, Saquon, look out for yourself. And he's programmed from, like, no, I have to worry about the Giants. You want me to mm-hmm. sit out games? You want me to send Daniel Jones out there without me as his safety blanket, without me as his check down? I can't do that. That's my teammate. Yeah. That's my brother, right? We're, we're taught football teams aren't teams, they're families. Yes. And Saquon just couldn't bring himself to do it. Oh, yeah. You're taught at a very early age that the feeling of letting your team or even possibly letting your teammates down, it's one of the worst feelings you can have. Exactly. I get it. I mean, it was like that lacrosse in college and stuff too. I never want to let my teammates down. I was like, I'm going every single day. The, the, the worst thing a teammate could say to me, like mentally Uh after I made a mistake was it's okay. I'm like, no, because just you telling me that means it's like, okay, that I made the mistake. It's okay that I let you down. It's okay that I didn't live up. The fact that you feel like you have to tell me that that it's okay means we're all aware that I didn't live up to my end of the bargain and you did, yeah. right? Because if you also didn't live up to your end of the bargain, then guess what? Like you telling me it's okay. I'm yeah, it's okay to you too. Like that's not how, how it works, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if, the offense scores 50 and the defense gives up 52. The offense tells the, the defense, it's all right, man. You guys tried. Yeah. Right? It's, it's that used to kill me because it was like, oh, that means like they're telling me they did their job and I didn't. Yeah. And that's the, that's the soul crushing part. And Saquon couldn't do that. And thus he's going to play for essentially the franchise tag. Got like, like window dressing, little, little like uh, the, the, toppings just to change it and make it seem like he didn't go back for the exact deal that he was saying he was going to, you know, not accept two days ago, but it's exactly what he did. It's exactly what he did. And as you'll hear here, Graham, let's jump to the Jay Williams clip. Jay Williams talked about because he was at Saquon's uh, golf tournament and he was in a golf cart making videos with Saquon. He had a little insight into the situation. 
Jay Will, who many of you know from his, his time at Duke and, and friend of the program, friend of uh, 99.9, uh, he talks about the relationship between Saquon, Saquon and the Giants, and I find this pretty interesting. From everything that I've heard about the situation is that that relationship between Saquon and the upper brass was not in a great place. And I said it last week. I literally left the conversation thinking to myself, I don't think Saquon's going to be a giant after next year. Uh, unless unless the New York Giants buy in in a big way. But, I mean, he has a one-year deal now to prove it. But I, I still think it feels like a slap in the face for him to have all of a sudden now one-year deal to prove it after he proved a lot. That's... The thing is, Saquon's loyalty to his teammates, I believe, got him back in the locker room. That's nothing to do with his loyalty to a coaching staff, a front office, a franchise, and ownership, right? I believe Saquon's going to be out there this, week, uh, this year running his tail off to spite the Giants in favor of, right, like – with with the the of like Andrew Thomas, his offensive left tackle, and Daniel Jones, and those guys, he is going to try to to lift up the Giants. I think he's going to be running, trying to to show them up a bit. Joining us here at ACC kickoff live from Charlotte, Garrett Schrader, Syracuse quarterback, started his career at Mississippi State, big season last year with the Orange. Uh, Garrett, I, I want to start with that big season last year and. It seems like you're still a little bit under the radar. There's there's some ACC quarterbacks that are getting a little bit more of the hype. You look at look at uh, Heisman odds and all those sorts of things. Does, does that bother you at all? Uh, no. I mean, I don't really don't live for the praise of man anyway. Okay. And I always have the underdog mentality, but I'm I'm grateful for where I'm at. I love the school I'm at. I love the people that I'm with, and there's another team I'd rather be with. So, uh, no. Nah, and I I know who I am as a player, as a man, as a person. So. Uh, my identity is in God and, you know, Jesus Christ is my Savior. So that's where, first and foremost, and that's what I live for. But, you know, just trying to be the best leader I can and be the best player I can. There, there's no part of you that wants to do a little proven wrong? There, there's there's nothing along those lines that, as you go into this season? Oh, I want to go out and put up big numbers and win every game that we can. <laughs> I don't get that confused. But, uh, no, I don't I don't really care what other people say about me. As long as my the people in my in our building, our organization, they believe in me and they trust in me, that's all that's all I can ask for. We're talking with Garrett Schrader, quarterback of Syracuse. Uh, the people in your building are going to be a little bit different. The people in your backfield are going to be a little bit different this year from last year. Uh, Sean Tucker, one of the more more talented guys we've seen come come through that program, uh, especially in recent years. A couple of new offensive linemen. Uh, what is that 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 transition like, and, and how have you been working in new guys during the offseason? Oh, it's been exciting. We're deeper than we've been since I've been here. More mm-hmm. offensive numbers-wise and bigger guys. Everybody's getting stronger. Our receivers, they're getting so much better. We got a Rondé leading the charge mm-hmm. and uh, setting the tone there. And we got a handful of guys in that room that could go out and put up big numbers. So that's exciting to see. And then um, our tailbacks. I mean, we got LaQuint back, mm-hmm. and he's going to be a great player for us. And Juwan Price, and we got some other guys coming in too in that room. And so it's it's exciting. One of the the, the differences also is. Uh, you know, we're from North Carolina uh, in the Triangle. Robert and I came down and, and yeah. moved our way mm-hmm. to, to uh, state. Uh, what is what will you miss most about Coach and I running your offense? I think just the, his personality mm-hmm. is the biggest thing. You know, he's a guy that guys love to hear talk and love to hear coach. But uh, he's a different character for sure. Different. But, uh, what, do you, what do you mean by different? Give it. Give us an example. He's just an old, he's an older school guy. You know, he's very. I don't know, Coach Beck's younger, can relate to us a little bit more. <laughs> All so right. It, kind of in that aspect, but uh, 
No, we wish the best for him, and he wanted to be closer to his family too. So, but we're excited about Coach Beck, and I think there's conspiracy that I was the plan the whole time. But you know, we, we're grateful for Coach Beck, and he's he's more creative, and uh, he likes to do a little bit more, do things exciting, and we got a bunch of skill sets that. He's going to do a lot of good things with us here. Garrett Schrader, Syracuse quarterback, joining us here on The Drive with Tim Donnelly, live on 99.9 The Fan from ACC kickoff in Charlotte. Uh, you brought up Coach Beck stepping in, but still running. I mean, it's kind of the protege handoff there, right? So a lot, a lot of the, the system is going to remain the same. What is it about that system that fits your game so well? Yeah, I mean, just it's the way that we utilize our skill sets and what we're good at. So it's, everything is catered to what we're good at. Mm -hmm. So he's not going to try to make you do something that – it's not your, your, what you're best at. So, like, we find out what we're good at, and then we build off of that and do that more and find more ways to get to those sets. And whoever our best personnel says, the way we can be with them on the field the most for the most amount of the game. And uh, we've, it's evolved since, since last year. We, we had a totally different mindset on what we're going to be, especially with, you know, powerhouse running back mm -hmm. Sean Tucker. And then we had the injury bug, and so we kind of had to get away from some certain things. And then um, – but now our identity, look at what we did in the bowl game. We, his first game calling, we had over 470 yards, 460 yards of offense. And uh, we didn't score as many points as we wanted to, but, and that was more on the player's side. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you just look at that against the fifth-ranked defense in the country at the time. And that was his first game calling as an offensive coordinator. So, so um, the, the other thing uh, kind of, kind of you, I mean, you brought up, right, do what you do best. One of the things that, that, you know, watching you last year I was most excited for is when you got your, your legs involved. And, and you're a very tough runner, right? Mm -hmm. You're not somebody that shies away from the contact. As a quarterback, uh, we were talking off air about how I was a former quarterback. I know that coaches love when quarterbacks avoid hits, get out of bounds, get down. Has there been an emphasis on that? Because uh, I have your stats here, 453 yards, but they could be described as tough yards, especially, you know, found the end zone almost 10 times. And you know that the last yards getting into the, the end zone are usually the toughest to get. Yeah. Is, there, is there any uh, emphasis on protecting yourself a little bit more this year? Uh, I mean, yeah, absolutely, especially because I really couldn't run too m much after the <laughs> sixth game or the seventh game. and um, But, yeah, avoiding hits when I don't have to. And, uh, I mean, I'm a quarterback. You know, I'd rather throw the ball first and have guys get, let the other guys make the plays. But um, I don't mind getting tough yards. There's just a time and place for it. It didn't have to be every play. Uh, and and this, I'm going to ask you about a specific player because uh, watching him, looking up some of his stats, looking up how he's described – what do you call a Rondé Gadsden? Is, is it a tight end? Is it a big slot? Is it an H-back? What, what's the, what's the, 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 the way you describe him? A Rondé is a football player. <laughs> That's what it, I mean, we were actually joking last night at dinner. He took two snaps at left tackle, and he had, I believe, six at running back last year and caught a touchdown playing running back. So uh, Coach Beck, and we, we use him, and he, he can do a lot of different things. So now we just put him in different spots, and it's really tough and stresses defense about. So it's fun. And, and that's where I was going to go next. You brought it up earlier without even me having to kind of lead you that way. Coach Beck, you said creativity. He's willing to try some, some crazier stuff. When you have some pieces like, like you do, and Aranda being, being one of them, uh, how crazy are we talking? Time will tell. Yeah? And, uh, are you, like, working on your hands? Are we talking that kind of crazy? Oh, we've already we've already tried a couple of those last. I think it gets it from Coach Anai because that's <laughs> that's one thing that we do. Coach Anai is he is not afraid to call plays whenever, and um, you can see that in Coach Beck too. And uh, you know he is a he's going to shoot his shot. 
And that, that's it, it's players. That's what you want. And that's, it's, it's very easy to follow and be excited about playing when you got a coach calling like that. And, yeah, there's nothing worse than, like, rehearsing a trick play over and over again and it never, never getting called in yeah. a game. Yeah, you know exactly where I'm going with it. Yeah. You're confident Coach Beck's going to pull the trigger? Oh, yeah. And um, absolutely. I mean, I think one game we called three trick plays last year. Not one of them. I don't think one of them worked, <laughs> but we ran all of them. Keep, keep, no, one keep of them, going. one of them would be a touchdown. But besides that. Oh, yeah, so was, yeah, that worked a little bit. And the bit. other two was like penalties, so it ended up working out anyway. All right. Well, uh, once again, that is Garrett Schrader, Syracuse quarterback, joining us here at ACC Kickoff. Garrett, we appreciate your time. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Garrett Schrader, Syracuse quarterback. And, and there's a lot that uh, state fans can, uh, can learn or can, can piece out of that conversation, right? Because Robert Adnai, who was the, the offensive coordinator that was referenced quite a bit there from Garrett Schrader mm-hmm. uh, last year at Syracuse, well, last year at Syracuse, this year, state, right? This year he's, he's working for, for Dave Doran, and he's paired together with Brennan Armstrong, who two years ago, Robert Adnai was with Brennan Armstrong in Charlottesville at UVA. So uh, Robert and I is kind of making the, this is ACC kickoff week and we're, and we're, we're out here in Charlotte and we're looking at, he's making his way from table to table. And I'm not just talking about the radio shows. I'm saying two years ago, Robert and I would have been uh, one of the, the, the most important people for UVA football. Yep. Last year, he would have been one of the most important people for Syracuse football. This year, he's one of the most important people for NC state football. So he's, you know, he's making his way around. He's, he's bouncing around if, if you will. Um, but I, I want to touch on something that Schrader said about Anai because it's something that we heard from uh, Dave Doran last week. We talked with Dave Doran, uh, head coach, state football, uh, last week. I believe it was Wednesday. And you can go back and find it on our YouTube page at 99.9 The Fan on, uh, on, on YouTube. Uh, full thing is up there. But when I asked Coach Doran about Robert Anai's offense, one of the ways that I phrased it was, the last time Brendan Armstrong and Robert and I were on the same sideline, which was 2021 in Charlottesville, uh, they led the NCAA, or sorry, not the NCAA, they led the ACC in pass attempts. So I asked Coach Dorn, I said, are we getting ready for, for Air Wolfpack? Right? Are we getting ready to, to sling it around Carter-Finley Stadium? And his response was, well, Robert and I, right, in, in, in their interactions and in their coaching experience together, he builds the offense around what their team does best, right? He had references uh, to earlier in Coach and I's history where they ran offenses where they did run at a ton and they didn't throw it as much. And and what he said was, you know, the thing he really liked about the way Coach and I runs his offense is it's flexible and it builds around uh, the, the, the talents of the offense. And uh, I thought that was a really good answer. And then I bring it back and I'm talking with Garrett Schrader right here and I ask him, what about the Anai system? Because uh, Coach Beck, who he kept referencing, is kind of Anai's protege, and he's been promoted into the, the offensive coordinator role that Robert and I vacated at Syracuse. Mm-hmm. So I said, what about that system fits your off- or fits your, your, your skill set so well? And the very first thing Schrader went to was, well, the system changes, right? It's, it's built to the strength of the, the players. So this year it might be different than it was last year. And I and – I kind of had a flashback, like a deja vu moment where I'm going, am I talking with Doran or am I talking with Garrett Schrader, the quarterback of Syracuse? Yeah. Now, I, I mean, Schrader spent some time at Mississippi State, and college football is a big world, but it's a small world. So I'm sure maybe Schrader and Doran know somebody in the same realm together, maybe. But I doubt they've gotten together and been like, 
Let's synchronize our watches. Let's make sure that our uh, our 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 comments on on Coach and I are identical. Yeah. Right. The, the Syracuse quarterback and the NC State head coach need to make. We we can't have mixed messages out there. Let's get our story straight. The 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 fact of the matter is they both individually and independently kind of came together uh, on on their opinion of Coach and I's offense, and I really really like that. Right. I brought it up to Dennis off air, and I and I said. You know, everyone that I talk to about a nice offense basically tells me the same thing. It, it's not a system, mm-hmm. right? It's it's whatever their personnel can do best. He builds an offense around that. And and Dennis, correct me if I'm I'm misquoting here, uh, but you looked at me. You said to me, "That's a good coach." Yeah, that's what I said. That's a good coach. <laughs> and I went, "Yeah, I agree. I think I think that is." Now, can he pull it off? Is something we'll have to wait for the season to to see, right? Mm-hmm. Can he build an offense that is successful around what State has the way he did at UVA two years ago and the way he did at Syracuse last year, uh, where where both the quarterbacks had career years with his his guidance? Um, if he can do that again, then, hey, that's a good coach. But at least we know he's going to try to do the right thing, right? At least we know in my book the right thing is you look at the players on your roster and you don't go, oh, they don't fit my system. Let's go find players that fit my system. You look at the players on your roster and you go, what talents do they have? All right, how can I accentuate it? All right, we got a speed receiver. How can I draw them up open downfield? We got a run after the catch receiver. How can I draw up uh, a million different ways to get him the ball on screens? Uh, you got a quarterback with a laser rocket arm that loves play action. Boom, let's draw up some play action. Like, that's what he's able to do. And and to an eye's credit, that's his reputation. Because everyone I talk to, that I say, all right, tell me what offense he's bringing. They have the exact same answer. And that includes uh, Garrett Schrader, who we just talked to, who was also, just to give to give everybody kind of a background, uh, to me, Schrader is the perfect example of how deep quarterback is in the ACC. Because mm. I don't think he's quite statistically to the level that like a Riley Leonard or a Jordan Travis were last year. And I don't think he's physically sniffing the likes of like a Drake May. But he's a really, really good college quarterback. Yeah. And and simply because of, like, a, I mean, Tyler Van Dyke's walking around here today. It's Miami's day. Physically, he's gifted, right? And Brendan Armstrong has a 4,500-yard passing season. Because of all of these other accomplishments and abilities for quarterbacks in the ACC, uh, and including a couple of them, three of them, really, right here in the, in the triangle. Not here in the triangle. We're in Charlotte. But back home in the triangle. Uh, Schrader doesn't get mentioned as, as much. And I think if he was in, you know, the, the big 12, the pac 12, I think he, he might be a, a much bigger name. 64.7% completion percentage best since his freshman year at Mississippi state was, was 57.5. There you go. So big time jump, 17 passing touchdowns, also nine rushing touchdowns last year as well. Which again is like if, if Jordan Travis wasn't running for a bunch or sorry, if Riley Leonard wasn't running for 13 touchdowns, yeah. second most of any FBS quarterback. Nine rushing for Schrader is bananas for yeah. a quarterback. That's nuts. Uh, and you heard him say in the in the interview that uh, he couldn't run much after the sixth game because he was a little banged up. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he the guy can score touchdowns. It's just Riley Leonard scored more of them. The guy can complete a high percentage of his passes. It's just these other guys were more efficient throwing the ball. The Drake Mays of the world. So it's it just shows how deep quarterback is in the ACC. Uh, let's move along because uh, big news for the Canes earlier today, and it was uh, the news started to break yesterday, right? I referenced right at the end of our show uh, yesterday that 
um, Adam Gold, our, our friend uh, and colleague here at 99.9 The Fan, uh, tweeted out that he, he heard it's moving towards, right, whatever that the, 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 the verbiage you use when you're an insider and you haven't been given 100%. <laughs> uh, it's definitely signed, sealed, delivered, but like all signs point to. He, he gave us that, that Tony D'Angelo was going to sign with the Canes. Uh, and it has since become official, right? It's it's 1.65 roughly million dollars on a one-year deal for D'Angelo to return to, to to the the team of one of his best seasons, that being the the Canes. What ultimately led him back to the Hurricanes? D'Angelo joined Adam Gold earlier today, and this was his answer. But uh, I guess as things went on, you know, I wasn't part of the day-to-day discussions like they were, but things just weren't uh, weren't wrapping up. We had to wait a little bit of time. CBA, all kinds of stuff was going on. So, obviously, they wind up going a different direction there. Kind of might make more sense for them cap-wise for this year or whatever. And and then I kind of had a week or so here, 10 days, to decide what I wanted to do. And, and everybody knew, I think, around the league as well, that Raleigh was my number one choice. If I could, if I, you know, if it was potential, I can go back there. And we started talking to the Kings and, and kind of everything else we had going. We, you know, we talked teams and there was interest elsewhere, for even for myself, if, if it made sense. But... Right. As long as the, the Canes made sense, that's where I was going to head back. So I'm glad it worked out. It's it's really, really rare in professional sports when something like that happens, where a player vibes with a system, it, it, right? It, it, it clicks, ends up on another team. A lot of times it's a cash-out situation where, uh, and I'm not talking about this one specifically, but you see it in professional sports where a player, you know, meets a coach, meets a coordinator, meets in, in hockey a system, right, or, or a, a line mate, whatever it is, and it clicks, and they play very, very well. And then they play almost so well that the team that helped them reach those heights can't afford them anymore, so they go elsewhere, and they sign a bigger contract. And then, you know, for the rest of their career, they're going, man, I really regret that I left that one place where it really seemed to be working. Uh, Tony D'Angelo, I'm not saying he had those giant r- regrets, but there is something kind of poetic about getting to go back to where you had some success and you know it works and you know the system and you know many of the other players, and it just kind of turns out to be a, uh, a really good situation for him. So I'm, so I'm happy for D'Angelo there. Speaking of that, that franchise, why did the, the, the Hurricanes appeal to Tony D'Angelo? Again, he was on with Adam Gold earlier this afternoon. Here's D'Angelo. The coaching staff to the to the staff of the trainers and the equipment guys and the players and, and the city itself where you get to live. It's, it was all way better than I could have hoped for when I was coming in. You know, I had been there as a visitor and I liked it, but it wasn't, you know, I wasn't familiar with all the ins and outs of the city and, and the team and stuff. And uh, Brady Shea got there and started to talk real, you know, real good about it the year we weren't together a year and a half that I was still in New York. And then as I got there, you just, you know, you see it all firsthand. There's nothing uh there's not many cities like it. The fan base is great. I mean, our playoff games, I still uh, still have good thoughts about them, even though the final one was was a brutal one. But uh, just the way the crowd was, I mean, you could hear it in the locker room. A lot of, uh, a lot of fun, and, and it's a great team, too. Great group of guys, great team. There it is, right? I mean, it's it's nothing but positives, as it should be after after you sign. Uh, one funny thing that did uh, kind of pop up during that, that Adam Gold interview uh, – D'Angelo was asked what it's like to play against Sebastian Ajo. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, anytime there's a player movement, that, that exists, right? Um, in the NBA, Draymond Green has been forced to answer a million questions about playing with Chris Paul because Chris Paul was traded to the Warriors where Draymond Green is. And 
Draymond Green has said publicly in the past he doesn't like Chris Paul. So it's like, hey, what's it like to play against him? Well, now you're playing with him, right? What's, yeah. what's that like? Uh, hey, Tony D'Angelo, what's it like to play against Sebastian Ajo uh, now that you're, 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 you know, you're back on the Canes? And he basically said, like, well, he makes me look foolish, like, <laughs> once, once a year, essentially. So uh, Yeah, glad I don't have to play against him anymore. Exactly. That's, uh, as, as a former quarterback, I can tell you there's a lot of, like, great plays you see in practice. Like, if you're playing against a great corner, um, mm. we're actually I'll, – I'll use this as an example because we're, we're about to uh, air a conversation we had with Cam Kinchins, who is a safety for Miami, right? Uh, if I'm Tyler Van Dyke, who is the quarterback at Miami, and in practice, I make a, a throw that I think should be a completion. And Kinchins, because he's going to be, a, you know, one of the top safeties drafted off the board when, whenever he decides to come out, comes flying out of nowhere and makes an interception. In practice, do you know what you think? Glad I don't have to face that guy in games. Yeah. Like, oh, goodness, right? Like, feel bad for everyone we play against. Because in practice, fine. I'm going to get scolded by coach when we watch practice tape later today. Uh, meanwhile, in a game, it's like... It's, it's catastrophe, right? Mm -hmm. Turnovers are critical errors. You can't have them. Similar, right? Sebastian Ajo, he's gotten D'Angelo a few times. Oh, yeah. Uh, right? Like, like and one mixtape tour. Oh, throw the ball in the crowd. Game over. Uh, crowd rushed. Got him a couple times. Hot sauce. Got him a couple times. Um, now he gets to say, thank God that guy's on my team, right? Mm -hmm. Like, when, it, when he catches him in practice, it's going to go, I'm not the, def not the defender that has to try to keep him in front of me anymore. How awesome is that? Which, you know, is, is an asset. And, it, and it's uh, uh, another cool thing about it. Uh, again, I'll say it this way. We said it earlier, but I think it needs to be reemphasized. I hope this means there's a move coming where a defender will be turned as an asset, like flipped into a forward. Yeah. They have seven super valuable defenders. And seven... I don't want any of them to be the seventh defense, right? I don't want any of them to be the seventh guy. And I don't think any of them are paid like seventh guys or, or uh, are expected to be. I don't think the team has any expectations that they're going to be the seventh defense. So, uh, you know, it's the, the obvious answer would be Pesci simply because it's been rumored so long and it's been talked about so much. If, if I will go back, I won't go back, but I will adjust quite a bit of my reactions to the Canes entire offseason. If they can turn Pesci into a semi-flashy forward, right? The, the, the way, and, and I talked about this earlier, um, on our YouTube comments, which, by the way, follow us on YouTube at 99.9thefan, and, uh, and subscribe while you're there and comment. And, and, you know, periodically we'll run through the comments and we'll respond and we'll get a conversation going. So if you want us to respond, go ahead and send them in on those, those YouTube comments. Um, somebody was describing the, the Panthers wide receivers and yeah. they, and they said uh, there's going to be a lot of solid, but not flashy guys. And that's all you need. And my response was most spots on the roster solid, but not flashy is fantastic. You need one or two on offense and defense in the NFL. You need one or two flashy guys, mm -hmm. right? You, you need one or two divas. Right. And you hope they have the right diva mentality that also kind of weirdly fits into. So it's like, oh, he's kind of a jerk, but he's our jerk. Like, yeah, you, you need you hope it all the chemistry of the locker room works out. But there there is something to be said for. Uh, right. You, you can't have all solid, but not flashies. You can't have all solid defense. You can't have all 
occasionally you need the guy that's going to put on a show, right? The guy with the stick skills, the guy that's going to get out there and, and, and find the back of the net. And I still think the Canes, that was their number one goal this off season. And I still think it's their number one goal now. And, uh, and if they can turn Pesci into that, suddenly I like a lot of the moves that they've already made. Then I'm like, Oh, and you got Dmitry Orlov. Oh, and you brought in Tony D'Angelo. Then it gets a lot better rather than, Why'd you bring in Orlov and D'Angelo rather than do this other thing? Yeah. Uh, so if you if you do it and if it's and not instead of, then I do really like it. But uh, but obviously today is is a big move. I think you can draw the direct line from acquiring D'Angelo to Pesci being traded, even back from the rumors before free agency even began, where there was the potential that they were trying to trade for him. There's that direct line like, okay, you're not acquiring D'Angelo to just sit him you're not going to pay him 1.6 million bucks to sit him he's not going to come here and get paid one just over 1.6 million dollars to sit it's it's either a direct line to pesci being traded yeah or it's a direct line to to nowhere which is right which, which is a problem because in, yeah. like, no one draws lines to nowhere you know what i mean like if you're connecting dots and one of them just going off to the part of the the page where there's no dots that's a problem and and that's what that would be to me to me like, it makes sense. You connect the dots and go from D'Angelo coming in to Pesci going out. That's a connect-the-dot situation. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't happen, then you're just, you know, you're off, you're off the page, right? You're, you're my, uh, my two-year-old who's just scribbling and who knows what he's doing, but we're going to put it on the refrigerator anyway. You don't want to operate like that. No. <laughs> Not as an adult. Two-year-old, it's cute. Adults, you got to get, get the job done. Joining us now, Cam Kinchins. He is a uh, Miami junior safety, getting ready to uh, to kick off his ACC season, as we're doing it here at ACC Kickoff. Uh, Cam, you've been in the news for – we're, we're going to talk football. Yeah. Uh, but there's this other thing going on involving The Rock. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the name, image, and likeness endorsers for ZOA Energy, which is Dwayne The Rock Johnson's energy drink. Uh, do you know The Rock? Yeah, I met him when we had to do our photo shoot, so that was pretty cool. So, like, do you have his phone number? No, I don't have his phone no? number. No? So we, we, couldn't, we couldn't call him right now and get him on no. the show? Uh, what, what do you call him? When, when, when that whole situation takes place, uh, you know, he's at the photo shoot, he rolls up. Or is it Mr. Johnson? Is it Dwayne? Is it, is it Rock? What, what, what are you calling him? Mr. Rock. Mr. Rock? <laughs> yeah, how you doing, Mr. Rock? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's, it's the respect, but also, like, a little, a little yeah, cool, right? Yeah. Um, how does that happen? Like, how does it get uh, developed and approached and you end up in a, in a photo shoot with uh, Mr. Rock? It was kind of crazy. So I was just, I was, um, I think it was, it was on our week off. So I was just driving in the car and then I hadn't got a call from this number. Like, I usually answer the number because sometimes I don't have people's phone number saved or it might be an important call from somebody. So I would answer the phone. So then it was like this agent man. <laughs> so then the agent, like, First thing he said before I could like kind of shoot it down, even though I'm, I kind of res respect everybody that calls. So he's like, "Oh, I'm not, um, I'm not here to kind of recruit you. I would love you on my team, but like, I'm not here to recruit you right now. It's more for um, this NIL deal I have with The Rock. And he's, he want to sign you. There's only like a, a few, a, a few people in the country that's gonna be signed. Like, I think it'd be a great opportunity. So I'm like, Yeah, I'll be down <laughs> to do it. You, you ain't about to say that, but I think he's at The Rock. I'm, I'm already, I'm already yeah. And, and with him being a Miami guy, did, did you get a little favoritism? Like, was he yeah, showing so, you a little bit more extra yeah, love? Yeah, so everybody else got, like, 
they like they picture with like the Zoa drink. We had a picture with the Zoa drink and holding up the youth. So there you go, a little bit of uh, extra sizzle there. Yeah. Uh, Cam Kinchins, Miami Junior safety, joining us here on the drive with Tim Donnelly. Uh, it's moving on from the NIL stuff, and I know you have a lot going on in that space, and it, and it's cool. Uh, you also have a lot going on in the football field, and yes, it, and it's year two with Coach Cristobal. What's the the biggest difference between last year where he was kind of taking over the program and this year where you, a couple other of the veterans, himself, you kind of have something something rolling. Uh, I think last year we was kind of like in that, I guess, rebuilding process. So it was just more like everybody kind of buying in, trying to fill our way through it. So, and then we had a bunch of injuries and stuff, so that, that kind of happened. Mm -hmm. But this year it's kind of like everybody's locked in. We we'll have the 100%, we 100% we trust Coach Cristobal and what everything he's saying to us. And we're kind of, we, I can't even say kind of, we are buying into everything he's talking about. So that culture and that standard that he's been trying to instill in us from day one is finally starting to come together and, and the trust and accountability that we have for each other and the teammates is starting to be there. Uh, you're, you're one of the ACC's defensive stars, right? And, and all the lists come out, and I'm, I'm sure you see them. Whether, I don't know how much stake you put in them. Uh, but there's also quite a few offensive stars, and I, and I look at your, uh, your schedule. I see Drake May. I see Clay, Cade Klubnick, uh, Jordan Travis, uh, Brennan Armstrong. Uh, what do you have in store for, for the quarterback stars, right? I mean, we're here at ACC Media Day. So much of it is about the sizzle, and, and those guys are getting a lot of it. Uh, there's nothing too much to it, you know. The great quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. So we're current great quarterbacks, great competition for me. So I think when you play when you play great, it brings the best out in you. So that's, that's all I'm, I'm looking forward to. How about that relationship in practice with someone like Tyler Van Dyke, who, uh, I mean, when it comes to, to, like, you know, arm talent and all those sorts of things, he's right near he the top. He has it, yeah. So with him, he kind of elevates my game on the daily. Mm. And, like, I elevate his game on the daily. So anytime it's a play that I see that he should, like, kind of improve on anything he sees I should improve on, we kind of we have that relationship to where I can go up to him and he doesn't feel any type of way and he can come up to me and he doesn't feel any type of way. So We're talking with Cam Kinchins, Miami junior safety. Uh, Cam, I, I looked up your stats from, from last year. Pretty much everything, right? 59 tackles, 34 of them solo, a couple tackles for a loss, forced fumble. Passes, defense, interceptions, even had a touchdown. Why no sacks? I don't know. We just probably ain't blitz a lot. <laughs> I, I think I blitzed like twice the whole year. So is that something you uh, you're interested in getting into? Of course, I always I'm like kind of going there like I could rush like a DN coach. <laughs> uh, Cam, before we let you go here, uh, when you talk Miami Hurricanes football, right? Anyone anyone that's been a fan of the ACC knows the history. Have you watched tape of the guys? The Ed Reeds, the, the Sean Taylors, Entrell Rolls, Brendan Merriweather's, the ones that uh, kind of stick out in our memory from our schools having to play against those guys? Of course. You know, how can you not look at those? Like, they pay the way they have the blueprint, so it's not, why not look over it? Anything stand out that you've taken from, from any of those guys? Um, of course, Ed Reed, of course, like Entrell Roll, of course, like Kenny Phillips, all those guys. Mm -hmm. um, I think, because when you look at the tape, it doesn't tell the whole story. So you can see how he broke on the ball, and he's like, wow, like great instincts. But at the same time, if you talk to those guys, it took them 10 hours in the film room just to find that, like, find mm -hmm. on that one play. So, so, so you're getting in the film room. All, That's yeah, what you took about, away from it. It's all about the backstory about it. So. Uh, all right, Ken, we appreciate you for stopping by the drive here on 99.9 The Fan. And, uh, and tell The Rock we said hi. Okay, I will. <laughs> appreciate it. Thank you. Once again, that is Cam Kinchin's Miami Safety, uh, one of the top on, uh, on upcoming draft boards, safeties. Uh, so if he plays well for Miami, some some big things in his future. Uh, I, on the, the whole uh, Zoa Energy name, image, and likeness, 
the the rock endorsement. Let me be the first to say I'm a little little disappointed in Dwayne Johnson because, I mean, I'm not saying that he has to be best friends with the kids. I'm not saying he has to, like, give them the phone number to the bat phone and say anytime, day or night, if you need some help. But but if you're going to sign seven athletes to college athletes to name, image, and likeness deals, and you are Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and, and you are having them endorse your energy drink, I think there should be more communication than just the photo shoot. Maybe it's just me, but uh, I was, you know, I was a little disappointed when I said, like, do, do you know The Rock? And he was like, I met him at a photo shoot. And it was like, what do you call him? Well, at the photo shoot, I called him. It was just at the photo shoot. Right? They're all smiling, happy-go-lucky in those photos, making it seem like they're one big, happy Zoa Energy family. Turns out they're just one big, happy Zoe Zoa Energy. They were in the room for the same time for 15 minutes once. Yeah. I thought Drake May was, like, kicking it with him. Because Drake May was one of the, one of the athletes also, along mm-hmm. with with cam and, and a few others i thought there w- would have been some i don't know mentorship I mean, it doesn't have to be a ton every couple months go out to lunch yeah go go that's actually exactly what it should be it should be uh uh advice on branding yourself because obviously the rock with the the under armor stuff the shoes the the workout gear the, his entire uh, like career really is, is a uh master class in branding and uh you know i thought maybe he could pass along some of that but instead i guess he it's just a business transaction we give you some cash you give us a picture holding up zoa energy if you're from miami you get a second picture you're very lucky mm-hmm. you get to hold up the you and uh and everybody else just the picture with the energy drink uh but still i guess you know all in all a cool experience for for cam kitchens drake may and everybody else involved just I think it could have been cooler is basically how I'm I'm getting after that one. Oh, still pretty cool. Yeah, still pretty cool though. But is is it like a don't meet your heroes types of thing? I don't know. Where I'm not saying he was a jerk. I'm just saying like when when that call comes in and it says, "Hey, right, I'm an agent. I'm representing uh, an offer from The Rock. He would like to endorse you." You probably like your first thought isn't, "Oh, I'm going to get to spend." you know, an hour with him in a very lit room with photographers telling us what to do. Your, your thought is probably like, heck yeah, I'm going to get to spend some time with the rock. Maybe, you know, have a few more conversations and, and maybe, you know, build something there. So I'm, I'm just saying there might've been a little disappointment there. There might be something a little bit more down the line, but there's still a time, time will definitely tell in that regard, but still it's pretty cool. You get to meet the rock and hang out with the rock, but-